0: movie cast a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try to differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there my name is hayden
1: and i'm wesley
0: and we are joined yet again by the guy nick long it's his first episode of 2022
2: our first episode of
0: 2022
2: yeah how's it going man pretty good man i'm really awesome and like kind of sick with it honestly kind of true Thank, you, <laughs> I think
1: Thank you, I think I'm with you on that one. Honestly, big facts. Yeah.
0: Fuck yeah. How was everybody's New Year? We we had planned to do a, a Christmas episode. That kind of fell through, so we haven't done an episode since Spider-Man. Um, so we hope you all had a safe and, and happy new Christmas and New Year or whatever holiday you may celebrate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how was your guys'? Uh,
1: we, we spent New Year's together, um, and I mean, it was pretty chill, honestly. I feel like everyone had a very chill New Year's where they just sat around and watched maybe some online thing or whatever. Uh, There's nothing huge happening. No, not here at least. I was literally just like, well, 2021's done. I'm ready for another shitty year. Here we go. (laughs) I'm like,
0: I'm overly optimistic.
1: I'm trying to make this year my year. We'll have to see. 2021
0: was the worst year of my life dude <laughs> <laughs> It can't get worse i swear to god at this point
1: we can only go up from here yeah no, keep honestly. it honest
0: i, so, so I didn't yeah. love it i didn't love it myself either I, I think the podcast was probably one of the better elements of, of the last year of my oh life. yeah man
2: yeah mm-hmm. no i i went to a little get together with my buddy uh mike and uh we <laughs> we watched uh, the family guy theme song going to uh 2022 amazing dude you're starting starting with the greatest vibes mm-hmm. so yeah right when it goes happy it's a family guy it's right when it hits zero nice so you know what i think i'm on a good start at <laughs> yeah, least yeah i go. mean you
0: know that's how you set 2022 up to, to be your year
2: exactly family Guy, bringing in with songs. peter griffin mm-hmm. exactly yeah and the football hooded boy yeah i don't know his name
0: yeah but I, christmas was was chill for me this year mm-hmm. uh new year's also i think you know with the new variant everyone's kind of just having drinks and relaxing and Uh, Trying to enjoy it in the ways that we can
1: Yeah But
0: uh, I've been really excited to do this episode This episode is one of my my favorites just from doing it last year on the pod It's the top 10 movies We're going to get into all the movies from 2021 that we really loved And I was like, all right, we have to hit up a homie We have to get an extra opinion on there to get some more movies into here Mm -hmm. Uh, So we have, I've I've seen all of our lists Great lists, we're going to get right into it Yeah But I wanted to talk to you guys first about 2021 in general For film... And what did you think of the movies that came out this year and what was it like experiencing movies? Because a lot of them came out on streaming and if you could go see them mm-hmm. in the theaters, you were seeing them with like ten other people. Yeah. So like what what did this what did this year feel like for you with movies?
1: For for me it was it's kinda interesting because there were a lot of movies this year that I literally had seen trailers for years ago and that had finally come out this year. And a lot of them were like streaming service or things like that um but like overall as far as movies go i don't think it was as spectacular or crazy as some of the years before but we still get did get some pretty good movies in my opinion um as you'll hear as we get into our lists. um but yeah i feel like it wasn't as spectacular as some of the years before but we still did get some pretty good movies
2: yeah uh for me i I feel like i just didn't see anything this year because like Everything is on streaming. I'm like, oh shit, that movie looks great and then I'm like, Oh, it's on fucking crave. I don't have that. Right. Like, yeah. Oh man, that that trailer, that that horror movie just dropped, I was like, Oh, it's prime video. I don't have that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just not willing to, to drop the money for like four or five different streaming services. So yeah. If it came out on Netflix or Disney Plus, I saw it. If it didn't, I probably didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Fair enough. It is like the streaming wars are in full fledge. It's basically just like fifteen different ones duking it out with like oh we've got the new adam sandler movie oh yeah well we just got Kate blanchett it's like yeah they're just going back and forth trying to see who can get the better star and the better celebrity and which name draws uh more yeah
2: i also found this year i saw a lot of 2020 movies get late releases here because of all the delays so mm-hmm. like in theaters this year i saw nomadland and uh the sound of metal those are like my two favorite movies i saw in theaters this year but they were both 2020 releases. Yeah, like yeah. Nomadland was my
0: number one pick in that when we did this episode last year.
2: Yeah, so. that that probably be my if if this like that was probably my favorite movie 2020 as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like if if I had been able to see that on time, then you know it would have been different. Right. I felt like it was very backloaded. I guess. It, in a yeah. Way. It was. Yeah.
0: There definitely were a lot of limited releases and um, movies that were kind of getting put out into theaters. Like you could only find them at one theater, and you would have to drive like 45 minutes just to see the one exactly. showing of this movie. Um, especially if you're into, like, the indie movies like we are. Fucking
2: Park Lane Theater. It's on, like, the downstairs of a mall. (laughs) There's, like, six actual showing rooms. Yeah. It it, it has a charm to it, but it's the only place, like, the French Dispatch, only place you could see that.
0: Yeah. It, It was weird. Same thing with, um... What's the movie I'm thinking of right now? Oh, we just saw Tragedy Macbeth. That was only playing yep. there as well. Lamb was only there. Yeah, it's weird, man. Minari as well. Like they, What they do with that theater is like, I guess it must just be the one that people go to see their indie movies at because they do not come anywhere else in Nova Scotia. No. Yeah, it's weird. No, but you're definitely right about movies being harder to find and harder to access this year. Like I personally have a list of 120 movies that released this year that I have seen. Jesus. Uh, yeah, it's unhealthy. Um, so I, I've seen a lot this year. But that's just because I, I seek it out. You know, like I, I go and look for that stuff. And it's just been weird this year with like advertising. It's like a lot of great stuff has just been swept under the rug because of streaming services. Yeah. And people are just like, didn't hear about this new movie. You know, here's a good example Nobody went to see The Last Duel, which we will talk about later in this episode with Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great movie. And it's like, it, it's weird that it didn't get any attention until it was on streaming services.
1: I still haven't even seen it. So I yeah,
0: yeah man um, I heard you like gush about it I, but... lo- I love Last Duel we'll talk about that in this episode um, but I just found that to be weird I, I found this movie year to be like rejuvenating like cause after 2020 which was such a dour and sad year yeah. for movies I found mm. this year to be back in the theater and seeing all these movies that had been delayed for so long to be such a great experience but there was still a weird feeling to it where like the movies that I was really excited about nobody else cared about Mm -hmm. and all the movies that everyone was seeing was blockbusters which no shame to the people who love blockbusters movies Uh, I do myself but it just it just feels weird to be now in a movie climate where it's like the new uh, Hugh Jackman movie just bombed it's like one of the hardest box office failures of all time it's like what the fuck is
1: going on yeah Uh, no exactly
2: I think the only time I had a packed theater this year was ironically uh, not even watching Spider-Man when I saw Spider-Man I saw like at 11 p.m. Like, there was no one else in the theater. It was just me and, like, my friend group I went with. Uh, It was French Dispatch. That theater was fucking packed. Yeah, that
1: theater was full.
2: Yeah, only time all year I've had, like, a packed theater.
0: People showed up for Wes Anderson this year.
2: Yeah, that was weird because that was my second time seeing it. The first time seeing it, it was only me and my girlfriend and no one else in that theater. Yeah. Oh, my goodness.
0: It was like the hype was there for the first showing, and the second showing was just completely dead. Yeah, it was funny. That's bizarre. Any consistencies between the movies on your list, and like anything that you noticed about the type of movies that you were feeling and you were watching this year?
1: Honestly, no. No, yours are just kind of random. Mine is mine is fairly random. There's a lot across the board here. I think, yeah, there's not a, really any consistency for me. It's just a lot of like movies where I was like, wow, I watched that and I really felt it. For there's something about it that really just did it for me. Um, so if anything, all of these movies on my list definitely had the wow factor in them. Um, instead of just being like, well, that was a good movie. I'm like, uh, this was really good because of this, this, and this. And I, I really love this thing, you know? So I think it's just the extra wow factor for me is what all these movies have in common. Yeah. Something
2: that blew you away.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: What about you? Nick? I, I think for me, the bottom half of my list is all horror. The middle section is superhero and then the top is like low budget indie. <laughs> Amazing. Um, like the three most dog shit genres. No, <laughs> dude, those are the best genres. <laughs> they, they, in a way, yes, but they're also like, they're my favorite, but like, I have to be like, yeah, some of them are a bit dog shit. They're very oversaturated. Sure. Okay. So that's why I think the, the median of it is like, alright, they're dog shit, but I think they have the highest potential.
0: Yeah, this was a weird year for horror in regards to like the back half of your list. Like Yeah. There's it, some great movies that came out, but I think almost everything horror related except for Halloween kills, nobody talked about.
2: Hey, shout out shout out to um Antler for making your top one hundred, man. Rated <laughs> number one hundred, Antler sitting. Is that there. where I put it? Yeah, that movie fucking sucks. That movie was not good. <laughs> Amazing. Not My good girlfriend at all. loves that movie and I was like, No. That movie Like I walked away I was like I fell asleep in that movie
0: I was supposed to be Seeing Ghostbusters Tonight I seen that Oh nice I was was Even
2: more disappointed Pretty devastated Yeah it wasn't great at all No Uh, movie I just remembered I completely forgot It was the only It was the last movie We saw in theaters Uh it was that, like, Earth movie we saw in March. Oh, In the Earth. In the Earth. Was that this year? That could That's have been last year. year. That's this year, yeah. yeah. no, that movie sucked. I'm just, like, remembering <laughs> it. I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, that movie that, sucked.
0: That movie's also very low on my list. I don't know where I placed it. I think it's, like, 110 at 120. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit.
2: It was not... I I hated that movie. It was so pretentious and annoying, but... You guys saw how, I was, like, visibly angry about that movie. Oh, you
0: left, and you just were, like, straight to your car. You're like, all right, guys. Have a good night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See ya. Uh, but I guess on that note, there's been some rough movies like you know, Space Jam. <laughs> but Bro, let's, let's... what are you talking
1: about? That's my number two. <laughs> that was my
0: number one, you asshole. <laughs> Damn. That's the low budget indie movie at number one. Yeah, All right, exactly. well, that's the episode. <laughs> Peace, guys. Uh, <laughs> but no, I guess on that note, do you guys want to get into our top ten of 2021? Yes, let's sure do, do it. do. Who do we want to start with?
1: You start, Hayden. What's your number ten?
0: My number ten movie of 2021. I struggled with this. I went back and forth on the tenth spot. There were so many movies that were fighting for that one spot. But had to go with Dune. Oh. Um, that movie is just, it's such a spectacle. And it's, we have a whole episode on this. You can go listen to us talk about Dune. So I'm not going to linger on this one long at all. Um, but th- this movie just was great. To go see this in a theater. And after all the hype and expectation that was built up for it. It was magnificent. This movie is transcendent in regards to how it blends um, practical and, and digital. Mm-hmm. And it's just it sets up a sci-fi universe that I can't wait to see multiple movies. And I hope he makes another movie and then another Dune movie because this world is like Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings-worthy. <laughs> like wow. I, I want to see so much more set in this universe. And and I think Denis Villeneuve is the perfect director to bring a, a sci-fi franchise like this to life. I have no experience with Dune. I I haven't read the books, but I've heard a lot about it. And I from what I've gathered from people who love the books. He, he nailed it. He just he perfectly got all the vibes of it, and he's a director that I will always root for and always go see his movies in theaters. So my number 10 is Dune. I, I love mm. Dune, and it's a special movie that I, I think uh, everyone should check out.
1: Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with everything you just said there. Did Dune make your list? Dune did not make my list, no. I, I like Dune. I didn't like it that much, and I feel like I will like it more after the second one comes out. So that's why it didn't make my list uh, this year. Maybe next year, Dune 2 will make my list. Or oh, yeah. uh, what, in two years from now? Two years, yeah. Um, but hey, we'll see. Uh, but for my number 10, I actually put Luca. Um, it's a beautiful story. I believe we, we talked about this one too on one of our episodes. Yeah. Beautiful animated story uh, in this quaint little Italian town. I put it on here because this is like one of the animated movies I haven't watched in Kanto yet. Um, but this is one of the animated movies this year that I watched and it just filled me with so much joy. And the art style is so beautiful. And I, I'm a sucker for animated food that looks so delicious. I would eat it off the floor.
0: There's a lot of that in this movie. So
1: there's so much of that in this movie. Um, and it's such a beautiful little story. So I was like... Gotta throw it on there. I really did enjoy it. But yeah, that's my number 10.
2: Mm, solid pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like both those movies. Luca's kind of like a ocean version of Call Me By Your Name. and uh, Truly. <laughs> Dune, yeah, I, I, Dune, Ironically, Dune was like my number 11, and Luca was like my number like 12 or 13. Like, I really like oh, both of okay. them, but they both barely missed. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, my number 10 is Halloween Kills. Mm. Uh, a movie that's objectively definitely worse than both of those. <laughs> uh, 100%. I just, I've never gotten so hype. In a movie, in a movie theater, over like the beginning of a movie, because oh, like
0: absolutely when he's like
2: absolutely destroying the firefighters, all the kills in that movie, all the gore is amazing, and then you get to like the last fifteen minutes, So, I'm just like, this is dog shit. Yeah. What happened?
0: It mm-hmm. it loses its way with like the the whole mental hospital stuff that they're or not yeah. the mental hospital, just a hospital.
2: It's the, it's the entire hospital part, and then the ending is like bad. But I just really like like the first forty minutes so much. I think.
0: I never talked about this on the pod, but I'm a huge Halloween fan. Yeah. Um, I loved this movie. I'm with you. I think it was such a fun movie because it basically just turned Michael Myers into Jason Voorhees. And yeah. that was such a cool thing to see, especially after like the 2018 one where he's, he's getting back into it. He's a little more subtle. And in this one, he's just so pissed off. He's like, you guys tried to kill me. I'm going yeah. like, kill everyone.
2: It was sick. I really like the part where he takes his mask off. He looks in the camera and he says... Halloween kills, bitch. <laughs> and then the credits roll. That definitely happens. Yeah. So everyone, best <laughs> believe
0: part, me. Best part of
2: the movie.
1: But- I, I was, I'm was. i literally sitting over here stunned, like, did that actually happen?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that'd
1: be one hell of an ending. Yeah. I he, like, winked. No wonder everyone said it was <laughs> bad.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I did see a lot of people really hated this movie, but I, I'm with you. It didn't make my top ten, but it, I did have a lot of fun with this. Yeah. That, that takes us to number nine. That's back around to me. Oh, my back God. Back around. We Hell just yeah. do a circle like That's this. That's how
2: numbers work, baby. Let's go. We're yep. here already.
0: All right. I'm going to pick, come on, come on, the mm. black and white A24 movie directed by Mike Mills starring Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, this movie was such a delight and really, uh, I found myself pretty emotional with it a couple times because it's such a simple story, but it's done so well. And my, Some of my favorite movies are just simple stories that are executed perfectly, and this movie really... Doesn't do a lot aside from have uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character, who is the uh, uncle to Woody Norman's character, who is his nephew, and he forms this kind of surrogate father bond with him mm-hmm. where they go. Uh, the, the dad of Woody Norman's character is having some sort of a crisis and uh, is unavail- unable to be there, so the mom is looking after him. So, Joaquin Phoenix takes him to New York and takes him to New Orleans uh, to work with him at, on, for his job. Well, not like work with him, but you know what I mean. To be with him while he while he works. Yeah. And I just found this movie to be so so charming and so sweet. And the bond that forms between Joaquin Phoenix and Woody Norman is one of those uh, once in a while duos. You know, like those unexpected duos where you take like a award winning actor and a kid who's never had a screen performance ever. Yeah. And the and the chemistry that they bring together, I thought was was insane. And the black and white is just shot beautifully in this movie. And it's just very sweet and very simple, but. One that I think everyone should check out.
2: Yeah, I thought the black and white was going to be a little bit pretentious, but mm-hmm. it, it, like, it really wasn't. I, I just like, It was just like a part of the movie. Like, it wasn't trying to make a statement like, oh, we're cool because we're black and white. It was just, this movie happens to be black and white, and it looks really good because of it.
0: Yeah, and I, I just love that this movie also, it, it never places kids below us, and it's not like looking down on children. It, it shows, yeah, they're young and they're scared and they don't really know how to control their emotions, but they're also very perceptive and like very sensitive. Yeah. And, and Woody Norman portrays that so perfectly the things you can see like the way he picks up and registers things just on his face uh it it's really impressive and i just love that this movie never talks down to to children it's it's really just like these these are the the future you know these kids are the future and uh, the walking phoenix is is such a sensitive lead to that the way he he acts alongside this kid i i could go on and on but it's really
2: great I think we can say best child performance in a few years, At, honestly. Uh, yeah, it's like, up there it has to for be. me,
0: like Alan Kim and Minari. Yeah, and, uh, for me,
2: I'd, I'd say like since uh, the kid who played young Shia LaBeouf in... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, Honey, Boy Honey, Boy. Noah Honey Boy? June, yeah, Honey, Honey Boy. No, Jew. Honey Boy, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. And then like Stevie in mid-90s. Yeah, Like the other two that come to mind for like amazing. But like I think even this is like better than those two. Come
0: mm-hmm. on, come on. Is that on your list as well, man?
2: Come on, come on. It's, it's, it's farther up. Okay, we'll talk further, about it. Yeah. Since it's
1: so high up on your list, I think, yeah, we'll talk about it then. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to it. I actually have yet to see Come On, Come On, so I, I'll have to watch that. Um, you like it a lot. Yeah. But my you. number nine is actually a movie that I totally forgot was this year, and I thought was last year, was Nobody. Yeah.
0: Oh, that was that, fun, man.
1: That movie was this year. Um, when we did an episode on Nobody uh, earlier, if you want to check out all that. But uh, I just put this one on my list because the trope of a dude – going on a revenge story and beating people up is so overdone these days. Very played out. Yeah. Um, but somehow in this movie it's done so well and so fresh and new that I just really enjoyed it. Like it's one of those movies where you're like, ah, Bob Odenkirk. And he's pretty much like the only standout actor other than, uh, Christopher Lloyd also being there. But, um, you're like, wow, this doesn't seem like anything huge. And then you watch it, and it's actually a good story, and all the combat's really good. And it's just an overall really good movie um, that takes that same boring trope that people are like, ah, oh, dude fights dude, and dude fights, and fighting dudes. Um, <laughs> and, and just completely uh, does it so well. So I, I put it as number nine on my list. Dope movie, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, top ten bust scenes ever. Yes, top five bus scenes. I, I have another. I have another one in this list that has a bus scene. Question: How many movies in your list has have bus scenes? <laughs>
0: Not a lot, but <laughs> but you're you're going strong with the with the parallels between buses and action movies. Exactly,
2: exactly. Yeah, no bus scenes. I just checked. I ah. actually. <laughs> Damn Oh man. no! Come on, come on. Has a bus scene. It does. One bus scene. Oh, there you go. Yeah, one bus scene.
1: Also, may I say. My list is on a piece of paper. Really funny. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> just I'm really out le- here. Use letterbox. <laughs> I know, but I wrote it down on this piece of paper, and then I was like, I'll switch it to letterbox, and then I didn't, and I also scribbled uh, my signature on the back here a couple times just for the fun of it. Nice. <laughs>
0: sell, that, sell that piece of paper on eBay in a couple of years. When I become
1: an old man, I'm just going to have pieces of paper in my pockets for no reason. <laughs>
0: it's going to be like, you can buy Wesley, Wesley Giffen's
2: Dive in Movie Cast notes
1: on yeah, eBay. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to start writing them all down. Yeah.
2: Uh, my number nine is Nightmare Alley. Movie is really good. Oh this uh, movie's
0: incredible. It was so close to making my list. It oh, did, did it not?
2: It did not. I'm but, actually surprised by that. I, I really thought that was gonna be like in your top ten. Uh it, it's a really good movie about you follow Bradley Cooper after the death of his father, who you find out later is like he's very resentful towards. And he at first comes off as like a normal well to do guy, and then you kinda realize like, oh, he's a little shady. Like we're following a shady character. Like it's an unreliable protagonist, and then he learns uh, tricks of the trade at a carnival—how to read people, how to manipulate them—and he really does become like a grifter, like manipulator, working his way up like society almost. And you get to see the rise and fall of this man. Uh, it's really good. There's some like unexpected gore in this movie that was crazy. Like, yeah. Guillermo we del Toro like killed it. Uh, overall, I think this is like a really good watch if you have two and a half hours to spare. And I think that is the worst part of this movie yeah. is it didn't need to be two and a half hours. It could have been two hours on the dot and it probably would have been my top five.
0: There's mm-hmm. there's definitely some some clutter in the middle of that movie there that I think could have been removed, but dude, I, I think this movie was was great. And it, it was almost where Dune was. It was almost ten on my list. Okay. Um it is too long. That is 100%. like the, the first thing I'll say about it. But also Bradley Cooper is at his all time best. Like he's never had a performance like this. He's I agree. He's insane in this. And all around the cast is really great. Guillermo de Toro has described his
2: movies in the past as like dark fantasies, and this one is like the most dark fantasy I feel
0: in a sense. But he said that this one, in an interview, he's like, "This is the one movie in my filmography that stands like a sore thumb." Oh, he's, really? He's like, all my other movies to start, despite being like gory and kind of gross and weird, are kind of optimistic and like hopeful. And yeah, this this one definitely. He's like, this movie is so bleak, and I yes, that is true. There is yeah. no happiness in this movie. It is very hopeful everyone is awful um and I, it's 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 also great
2: like wor- it's so interesting the worst part is it tricks you into thinking there's hope yes like there's characters in this movie that are the the beacons of hope and they don't get their wins no and and it, it, it's a little rough and i think i think that's part of the, the strengths of this movie uh overall i think you should definitely check it out i really like the part where bradley cooper looks into the camera and he says it's Nightmare Alley. I bitch. guess we've ended up on some yeah. sort of Nightmare Alley. <laughs> He's like, "Jeez, this looks like some kind of..." and then he like lowers his sunglasses and he says, "Nightmare Alley, bitch." I, I saw this ends. movie. I
0: was the only one in the theater when I saw it. Sos alone, really, alone, nice. only one in the theater, um, dude. It was a weird experience. The movie ended, and I out loud, I was just like. What the fuck? Because it's such a <laughs> fucked up ending.
2: The ending is actually fucked.
0: Yes. And nobody was there in the theater to react with me, so I just kind of stood up and just like looked around. I was like, "All right, well, here we go. I'll leave now." Yeah. But yeah, I love that movie.
2: I think the reason, uh, just its closing thoughts. Reason the length pissed me off so much is I saw this movie at like eleven thirty, so I did I get home from this movie to like two, and I was like, "Man, that's, that's rough." <laughs> I I thought it was like gonna be like a two, an hour and a half, two hour movie, and like right before the movie started, I looked it up on my phone. I was like, just in case. It's like two hours and 40 minutes. I was like, fuck. <laughs>
0: here oh. we go. Yeah, I saw this on the opposite hand of you. I saw it at the same time, but in the
2: morning. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you saw it in the morning. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. Um, so, my number eight is one we're going to talk about way later. So, I'm pretty much just going to say it and then we're going to move on. Okay. No, no, my number eight is Tick Tick Boom. Mm. Uh, okay. I love this movie. Andrew Garfield's great. The music's great. We gushed about it two weeks ago for like an hour and a half. And you have a lot to say about it. So yes, we'll just move on from my tick-tick-boom and mm-hmm. on your number eight.
1: My number eight, and I, I know you're going to talk about this one later, so I will also just mention this and move on, uh, is French Dispatch. Oh, uh, yeah. Such a good Wes Anderson film. So cool. Um, I like love the art style, love the story to it all. It's a very mismatched, pieced-together story. Um, and, yeah, I just really like it. But we'll get more into that later.
0: Yeah, Nick— well, you have a lot to say. You I love. have
2: to speak about this movie. Yeah. yeah. I really <laughs> we'll feel... have a whole
0: French dispatch conversation when we get there.
2: Yeah. Um, my number eight, still on the horror. That's this three out of three so far for me, is <laughs> Last Night in Soho. This movie's amazing. This movie is really good. I really like Anya Taylor Joy. Her performance is really good. The main uh leads performance is really good. Everything in this movie is just like enjoyable. Every character is likable. Every character you're supposed to not like, you know, is Despicable yeah, Yeah. (laughs) And it's It's just like a movie I can really get Absorbed into And uh I felt like The scares Kind of like Got to me uh, Towards the end I felt like the Shadow men Kept showing up I was like all right, fuck off These aren't scary
0: I talked about that I did a podcast episode With one of uh, the guys From Kyber Culture A podcast out in L.A. Okay. And we we talked about uh, this movie, and I said that the least effective part of this movie was the shadow ghost figures that started showing yeah. up towards the middle, of the third act. But when I did not like that.
2: When you understood their backstory, and then their final act, where like they show up in the room, mm-hmm. that was like the only time they were at any point scary. Yeah, the rest it was.
0: It, that's definitely the least effective movie. But I feel like the recreation of the '60s here and everything else that it's, it's really doing—it's so good, man. Edgar Wright is such a good visual filmmaker and for all the stuff that doesn't fully work with the script here i feel like all the visual components are are so great that it just outshines all the other stuff
2: and yeah yeah uh i don't really have a lot to say about this movie but i will say the twist is like i didn't see it coming i i I did but it's a good twist it was like the last it was like right before the twist happened i was like oh my god i was like there's no reason for her to have this character interaction unless this is gonna happen yeah this has, this is just what's going to happen. I was like, holy fuck. Mm -hmm. It's a good movie, man. It's a good pick. Yeah. I I really liked it. Uh,
0: my number seven, I said I was going to get back around to it. I'm coming back around to it. My number seven is The Last Duel, directed by Ridley Scott, Ah. featuring an A-list cast, uh, in the first script written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, since Good Will Hunting. It's like my favorite little tidbit ever. I say that to every, every, every time 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 you
1: mention this movie, (laughs) you're like, hey, did you know? It's written
0: by Ben (laughs) Affleck and Matt Damon. Uh, But no, this is a slow burn medieval film told from three perspectives. You see it from the perspective of Matt Damon's character, Adam Driver's character, and then finally Jodie Comer's character. Uh, And you get to see it kind of... It creates an interesting dynamic because with each perspective you see the movie from these little interactions change. So you have this moment that Adam Driver's character was saying something. And then in Matt Damon's point of view, he's the character who said that thing, you know? So it's kind of like this fun little back and forth dynamic. But when you get to the third act, which... Is the truth? You know, you have these two perspectives, and then you get to the true version of the story, and you see it really unravel how it actually played out. Uh, it's it's very devastating, and and it loses all the all the epic aspects of it with that third act until you get around to the titular last duel. It it becomes a kind of an examination of like the Me Too era, it's set in the medieval times. You know, and I found that to be very effective in getting into how it's like the themes of like men erasing women's stories and making it about themselves throughout history mm-hmm. and uh, victim blaming that occurs when someone makes a sexual assault accusation, it gets into all that. And it's still a very timely, sadly, uh, still a very timely movie while being set so far back. And I just feel like this movie's got it all. It's, it's dramatic. It's tense. It's, it's epic. And the, like the last duel, like when you see, you know, the actual fight is maybe one of like the best fights I've ever seen ever in movies like it's it's insane wow um so high praise for last duel i loved it i did not even expect to care about it i was like oh it's gonna be cool i like adam driver and whatever um i love this movie thought it was amazing so i encourage everyone to check it out it totally bombed at the box office nobody saw this movie yeah i heard about that it's very sad so i encourage people to go watch it it's so good i saw antlers instead of this
2: dude (laughs) <laughs> just think about that. You man. killed cinema in I one in fucking, one final blow. You just killed it right there. I, I saw fucking antlers. The uh, you know what? Stay tuned for the top one hundred <laughs> if you want to hear about antlers. Yeah, Damn. it barely made it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that's so shameful. You should have gone to see this. This yeah, is great. Fucking sad because I never I never heard anything about the last. Though I just saw like the trailers Nobody, know, it like, got
0: brushed under the rug, so so sad. Yeah, I thought
2: the trailers were like mid, so I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, the yeah.
0: trailers were kind of mid, but the movie itself, it it it's because it's hard to make a trailer out of a movie that's three acts, right? Like three very different yeah. stories, sort of thing. But I thought it was great. Uh, on to you, Wesley.
1: Yeah, I'm actually going to change this at this exact moment. Do I was it looking at my list of things, and I want to change this one right now. I had in my number seven, I did have Judas and the Black Messiah, but I'm gonna actually knock it completely out of my list and replace it with Shiva Baby. Mm. I've been thinking about this ever since you mentioned it, <laughs> before we started recording. Um, we we had a whole uh, episode about Shiva Baby with Nick. With uh, the man himself. Check yeah. that one out. Oh, yeah. But it, I was thinking back about it, and thinking about how tense, and awkward, and invested I felt all at the same time while watching this movie, so... I feel like it has to go somewhere on my list because I I vividly remember watching it and just being so clenched up the entire time, like my entire body. Um, But it gives this insane story of uh, just this girl who gets put in the most awkward situation possible. And if you want to hear more, you can check out her episode, like I said. But yeah, such a good movie Uh, and also the performance from the main actress that I can't remember her name. Uh, but very good I wish I was remembering him I'm so close right now But it, it's not gonna come to me I usually point to Hayden But I he didn't He wasn't ready for that one I wasn't ready He <laughs> struck
2: me off guard And you know what Guess what my number 7 is Is it, it also Shiva Baby? It's Shiva Baby, Sh- it's, Shiva Baby. <laughs> it's Shiva Baby Shiva Baby is great Shiva Baby is like It's a very unique experience Yeah I feel like nothing is as claustrophobic And like anxiety inducing As Shiva Baby Like that, that movie made me More uncomfortable Than any horror movie I saw this year uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, like we, like Wesley said, uh, we have a full episode on it. Like, yeah,
0: we got all into it. We talked about it a lot.
2: Yeah. It's a, it's a really great movie and I think it has great representation of like bisexuality too. And people that like have imposter syndrome cause like she lies about her entire life to everyone in it. Yeah, exactly. Like she has to feel like some sort of imposter at that point. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think, I think it's great.
0: This movie I hate top 10 lists I'm so sad that this movie's not on my list I like I
1: I want it to be But there's just not enough Hayden you asked If we could do a top 15 And I said no You're like absolutely not That's too many movies I'll just do my top 20 On the dive in Instagram So go check that out If you really
0: want The full scale Of what I loved this year Um, Shiva Baby was so good I I, I really did love that movie One movie knocked it out Mm. um, Which is actually My next movie So the movie That replaced Shiva Baby On my list uh, Is Spencer Which is the new Christian Stewart movie, uh, directed by Pablo Lorraine. Pablo Lorraine, I was forgetting his name for a minute here, but this is the Princess Diana biopic. Oh, Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I was like, what is this
1: movie? I've never heard of (laughs) it.
0: Yeah, it's the uh, the Princess Diana biopic, and I am not someone who I I think I mentioned this briefly on the pod before, but I'm not someone who really cares about the royal family at all. No,
2: it's I mean, not Just weird. Yeah. Yeah,
0: but I've always found Princess Diana's story to be interesting because she was unafraid to be human and she was unafraid to talk about her, her real struggles and to help with things that actually needed a platform. And so she's the only human out of the entire Royal family. (laughs) And I feel like Spencer does such a great job showing that and really emphasizing that in this house of rich psycho assholes, uh, princess Diana was, was a shining star. Um, And, and I mean, I feel like so many people have tried to repurpose Princess Diana's story and, like, define her motivations and who she was throughout the last few decades. And I heard this quote in a YouTube video I watched about it. But, like, Spencer feels like the first movie uh, or interpretation of her story to shape the story around her rather than shape Diana around her story, you know? And I feel like this is, like, such a uh, generous look of a troubled woman without ever, like, looking down on her. And it frames this whole... Thing is like a horror movie. So in the the comparison to why this knocks Shiva baby off my list, they kind of do a similar thing with like the anxiety and like the horror aspects that you feel. Like she's trapped in this house for three days over Christmas with all these weird royal family traditions and reminders of her childhood and everything. And like, you know, Princess Diana was someone who struggled with an eating disorder. And like they have this weird royal tradition where they weigh you when you arrive and weigh you when you leave. Mm -hmm. And so it's, yeah, it's all these weird little things. And the anxiety and tension in this movie, despite the fact that it is just, you know, outside looking in, just a rich woman at her rich family's for dinner. It's got such a such a weird undertone to it and such a, a vibe to it. Uh, the royal family would hate this movie. I hate yeah. this movie. It's, it's such a pessimistic and weird look at, at the royal family. But I think it's, at its core, such a human look at Princess Diana mm-hmm. and, and who she was and the, her as a mother, you know, her as a person rather than her as princess diana the the famous sensation yeah so i I loved this movie i thought it was effective in every way christian stewart is almost guaranteed to win an oscar for it um this is great spencer is really great
1: i i loved it Hmm. um for my number six i have our friend um for those of you who have not seen it it's a it's a movie about a true story about um this couple and uh the wife gets cancer and so their friend um comes and helps out with the family and ends up staying with them for like a year or two or something like that a long while um but it's got dakota johnson casey affleck jason siegel um the reason why i put this movie in my list was because um this is such a heartfelt story like I feel like at some point in my life I would be Jason Siegel's character where if a friend of mine uh, was having family troubles or whatever, I'd be right there to help them. And so I felt this movie a lot. And um, it's an amazing performance from all three of the actors. Like, so good. There's a moment um, where Casey Affleck and Jason Siegel are, like, sitting outside of a uh, one of the hospital rooms and they're just having this super deep, like, emotional intense conversation and there were moments that just shook me to my core during this movie so i i really liked it and uh it's a very good movie you'll probably cry too so
0: it's very sad it was definitely swept under the rug too i i I know that this came out at the beginning of the year and then people talked about it for like a week and then people swept it away and Mm -hmm. i feel like it deserves more than that i i did like this
1: one a lot yeah very good emotional ride what Um, about
2: you i actually hadn't heard of either of those movies Chuck. <laughs> Check sure right out. Out. Yeah. I, I probably will. Um I was too busy watching a based ass film like Suicide Squad which is my Aye. number 6. Dude, that's a great movie. I I think on Iran- like I I might like it more than another superhero movie that's that's higher up like like personally, but I don't I don't think it's as good as a movie. It doesn't have as much meaning in in like pop culture or like cinema culture. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh because like it's just Suicide Squad, you know. It's it's a it's a really good time. I really like the casting. I really liked like the first like five minute twist. Oh yeah. Where, yes. This isn't really a spoiler. They kill the whole fucking squad. That's mm-hmm. insane. Like they didn't even tease that in the trailers. That's so funny. They just fucking kill like. I think there's like 15 people, like kill 9 of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they leave
0: you with like like quarter of the movie's cast.
2: Yeah, that's so sick. And they leave you with like weird ones, too, like fucking polka dot man. Yeah. And he ends yeah. up being like the funniest character. Like like it's weird twist like that. There was actual like drama like between uh Peacekeeper and uh what's his name? Deadshot? The, or uh, or uh
1: Rick Flag. Rick
2: Flag, yeah. Where like they have their like standoff, and then the, the, there's like the sad death of Rick Flag, which I feel like isn't much of a spoiler. It's been a few months, and it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's
1: just Suicide Squad. We're talking. It's about. just Suicide Squad, People
2: man. That. Shit's fucking based, dude. dude. That's <laughs> honestly all I have to say.
0: Tagline <laughs> for the movie was "Don't get too attached."
2: No, yeah. I, I I really like the part where um. Where Rick Flag looks into the camera. Damn it, man. <laughs> he goes, What are we? So we've got kind of a suicide squad? That's great. You yeah. see, I
0: actually wouldn't be su- that's in the first movie. It is. It that's is. Why it's-, it's in the first movie. Oh.
2: That's-, that's why I've been doing this bit the whole time. And that's why I play on continuing the bit. <laughs> it's still going. <laughs> it's so- the bit continues. Yeah, this- I forgot to mention the part about Shiva Baby where she looks in the camera and she says, I'm a Shiva baby, bitch. <laughs>
0: Uh, suicide squad was such a w for dc fans though like i feel like this was the first win that dc fans have collectively had there was zack snyder's justice league but that wasn't really a win it was getting a canceled movie and getting a better version of it that we deserve to
1: see anyways that was a lateral move yeah they
0: just had to do that
2: (laughs) i'm not watching a four-hour movie No, know it's not happening facts Uh, fair Uh,
0: fair. Uh, i watched it all at once and it was one hell of an investment
2: I hear, I hear it's a good, but, it, you know, good for four hours isn't worth it. <laughs> yeah. Same reason, I like Irishman's three and a half hours. Heard that's like a 10. Love Still not me. watching it.
1: Yeah, same. Still- I literally did not watch The Irishman because I was like, this sounds really long. I'm just looking over at my my $40 Irishman Criterion sitting right Be- on my shelf. People <laughs> are like, oh, you can watch it in 30 minute or like 45 minute breaks and it's four episodes. And I'm like... Why didn't they put it out like that? Why is it a four-hour movie? Because
0: it's a movie. <laughs> no movies are four
1: hours. They are
0: when they're directed by Martin Scorsese. He's allowed.
2: All right. Fine. He's
0: earned that right.
2: But Zack Snyder hasn't, which is why I rest my case on this random fucking... Yeah. <laughs> we've come full circle. Justice it. League tangent. He absolutely mm-hmm. does not have a four-hour... He doesn't deserve a four-hour movie. No. Zack Snyder.
0: Um, but yeah, Suicide Squad was really dope. I really liked this movie, and it did make my top 20. just didn't make my top 10. Ah, okay. Mm. Um on me now we are next five. we're on your number, number five, five. Number five. The, big, okay. the big five dude it's Spider-Man I'm not even I'm not oh. even I don't need to explain it I don't need to go into detail I lost my mind for an hour and a half a week ago or two weeks ago on the podcast about this movie um, this is the movie I waited all year for this lived up to everything I wanted it to be and it's so funny because the rest of my list is like indie movies.
1: And it's just like I, I, <laughs> Spider-Man. Had, I had to throw Spider-Man in there. Spider-Man in four movies you've never heard of. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that's uh,
0: Hayden's list. That's that's my list. But yeah, man. Spider-Man. It's just, it's the best. It's Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man, yeah. It's Spider-Man. My, yeah.
1: Uh, my number five, and I'm not even going to get into this because we're going to get into it later, I know, uh, is Inside. Uh, Inside was my number five. I started this year off not liking Bo Burnham. I'm not going to lie to you. I started this year off not liking Bo Burnham. Fuck you. (laughs) I always, that's Bo Burnham comedy right there. I always thought that Bo Burnham's comedy was just stupid because he would sit at a piano and be like, the world fucking sucks. You're a bitch. Kill your parents. (laughs) And that's Bo Burnham. You're not wrong. Tell me it's not. (laughs) Kill Um, your parents. (laughs) So I was always like hating Bo Burnham comedy and then I watched Inside and I fell in love with it. Like, it's so cool. The music is so great. It's such a unique idea to do an entire uh, stand-up musical, I guess. It's not even really a stand-up show. It's a stand-up musical yeah. in one room. Um, so it's it's crazy. It's the most insane performance art. I would, like, he looks like he wants to die. Uh, and, sure, truly. And it's, it's very, honestly, there were moments where I was just sitting there. I was like, are you okay? Like it's it's very sad at points because you're you just want to give him a hug, but um, it's so awesome, so great. We'll get into it. We'll get anymore. all into it. I love inside. We'll talk all about it. Uh, Bo Burnham, kill your parents.
2: <laughs> Damn. Bo Burnham, man, I love it when he looks in the camera and he says, "Kill your parents," <laughs> yeah. which is a thing he actually Honestly, does. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> in
1: one of his songs.
2: Yeah. Um. So for me, I don't actually have much to say about number five or four, but I'm just gonna stick to number five right now. Spider-Man, yes, like you said, it's fucking based It's fucking Spider-Man, dude. There's so many Spider-Mans in one movie. How do they even get that many? Yeah, holy
1: shit! All the (laughs) Spider-Man.
2: It it really is like the ending of a cinematic universe in all in like in its own right. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. I think it is a much watch for anyone who likes Superman or superhero movies. Anyone who likes any of the Spider-Man trilogies like. If you don't care about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but you like the Sam Raimi movies, watch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If There's you still
0: don't, a lot to, to get out of it if you just like Spider Man.
2: Yeah. If you just like Andrew Garfield or some shit, just watch it. It's yeah. a great, like, you don't have to even know the continuity. They're just, it's like, it ties everything together really well. It's a great movie on its own. I think that's important.
1: Yeah. yeah I was talking to my uh, aunt and uncle because they went to go see it today. And they were like, should we watch the Andrew Garfield Spider Man? And I was like, you don't have to. I realize that you don't have to no, watch don't. it. You don't. If you want to get, like, all the little jokes, yes, you need to watch them. But if you just want to see Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, which he does, like, so much better in these movies than in the other one, or in this movie than the other ones, like, you I, don't need to watch the other. I've
2: never seen Amazing Spider-Man too. Yeah. I probably won't. Bad movie. Yeah, don't. Yeah, I don't really care. Like, And I also think Lizard sucks in general for, like, the first, and like, in the first one. Yeah. Like, I feel like if there's any two you can skip, it's the Andrew Garfield ones. Guys, I'm gonna yeah. be honest. I you think. just have to watch like the Gwen Stacy scene on. Yeah, 22. yeah, that's all
0: you need to see. Guys, I'm gonna be honest. I think Kurt Connors. I think he was onto something with that whole plan of turning every <laughs> lizard into people, lizards. baby. You know, if we were all lizards, we wouldn't have like illnesses and stuff. We would just all be lizards. Yeah,
1: True. exactly. You know, Kurt just... Connors' mindset. If we were all lizards, we'd be superior. Maybe Kurt.
2: Con- <laughs> maybe Kurt Connors was right, guys. <laughs> the Kurt Connors Sigma Hey <laughs> Yo, shit. wait,
1: did. Did lizard people spawn from The Amazing Spider-Man?
2: Uh, I don't think so. Lizard people
1: conspiracy. I'm just kidding. Damn. But I want it to. I'm going to say
2: it did. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to spread that now. Kurt
0: Connors went on like, Reddit, and he was just like, gosh, I think Barack Obama. I think, a lizard. <laughs> I think I'm on something here. Uh, <laughs> oh. Is, oh, it's back around to me now. Yes, okay. number four. Yes, My number four is an absolutely devastating, depressing movie uh, that I just genuinely don't even know if I can ever watch again. But it was so remarkable that I just have to put it up on here. It is called Mass, and I saw this at the Halifax Film Festival in September. This is directed by Fran Kranz, who uh, you might know as Marty from the Cabin in the Woods movies, or from the Cabin in the Woods movie. Oh, what the fuck! Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, sick. So this is his directorial debut, and this movie is just absolutely tremendous. And there is four lead actors, um, two actors, two actresses and they are all remarkable. This movie has a interesting way of revealing what has happened in the story prior to the movie beginning gradually throughout. So I don't want to get into specifics and ruin it because it does something very interesting uh, with how it plays with that. But these two families essentially have been torn apart from the events in this tragedy that has transpired. And the way this movie um, manages to make an hour and hour and a half of just sadness and like soul wrenching conversation, just super engaging. They literally don't leave the room. This whole movie set in one room. Um, and I just, I loved this movie. It's mm. guts. It, it, it breaks you apart and it refuses to put you back together. And it's just like, leave, sit on that, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I just found the way, it, the way it did it. And it, it's, it's a, such a sad movie, but at its core, there is this sense of hope and the sense of understanding and compassion to it. Um, yeah, man. Just a, like a, a really devastating movie. So like great, get the tear, uh, get the Kleenex, <laughs> sit down for this one and just, just be ready. But it's very important. like the message at its core is very important and the way it handles and talks about that message. Uh, I'm just trying so hard not to spoil it, but I just I really think everyone should check this out.
2: Hmm. Uh, I haven't actually even heard of this movie, but you're selling, off, selling me on it pretty hard, actually. Yeah, I'm glad. It sounds really good. I'm glad you should well, watch it. Where can you
0: watch it? Uh, you can rent it. You can spend five dollars. you can get it on any PVOD platform now. Yeah, that brings me back to the problem with 2021 <laughs> releases. Yeah, it's like exactly. you can rent everything. Yeah, yeah They're all hard to find. Yeah.
1: Um, My number four, uh, and I'm going to end up skipping over this anyways, because it's Spider-Man, No Way Home. <laughs> Literally, like, yeah. Spider-Man, th- 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 uh, f- yeah, f- baby, f- th- webs, things. So good. Yeah. So fantastic.
0: Did you listen to our last episode. We have a lot more passion about
1: this
2: movie on the last episode. Yeah, I, I love, just
1: don't want to get into it.
2: I love it when the three Spider-Mans look at the camera. <laughs> you know what they say There's no, no way, way home, home Bitch <laughs> <laughs> I love that Um, <laughs> My number four is Lamb You guys see Lamb uh, You I know, know what? what?
0: I actually have not seen Lamb yet Movie's uh,
2: fucking weird man <laughs> like, I, I really <laughs> I, On God Don't have much to say about it um, Cause I can't I can't even reveal what it's about Cause that ruins it If you know what Lamb's about It kinda ruins it And I can't talk about any plot details because that'll reveal what it's about. Lamb's just a really fucking weird movie. It was marketed as a horror, which is why I saw it. That's the worst marketing thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's not a horror movie. It's not even a thriller. Okay. Like, it's not. Nothing scary happens until, like, the last two minutes. A24 needs to stop doing that. And even then, it's not, like, scary. Yeah. A24... Here's the A24 problem. Get low-budget foreign film. Market it as a horror. I know. Mm-hmm. Even because... though that's not, like, horrifying at all. I felt like I felt the same way with St. Maud. Only Saint Maud really didn't sit with me well. I didn't like that movie at all. Uh, I know you like you guys like that movie, but I I liked that movie. I know yeah. I know you do it Lee saying that movie like bugged me. I didn't like it at all. But like <laughs> Lamb was like the like the first time where like I was like man, this is literally lying about what this movie's about. Yeah, the whole marketing was like a new breed of terror. But it's not scary, <laughs> unless I just missed the point. Because I just thought it was like a really good movie. Like, it was very slow pace. It was like a drama about like. This kid and they didn't know what to do about it. Kid with air quotes, I should add. Yes, there was, okay. There's was something going on, and like, uh, yeah, there's. It's really hard movie to talk about without ruining it.
0: I've been interested in Lamb. Um, I think it just came out to watch at home, so I'm gonna have oh to, for real. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. have to
2: check that out now because it's not in theaters anymore. Yeah, you should definitely check that out. That's another one I had to see in Park Lane because it's like the only place that was showing it. Yeah, and it was showing it for two weeks. Wow, yeah,
0: just like brief little run. Go to this theater; you can check it out. But
2: yeah, well, yeah, it was right after we got out of lockdown in June. It was showing it till July. Damn! Wow. So we had to, it was from the sixteenth to uh or till like July fourth or some shit. So you're like, all right, let's so go like, just
0: check out this weird ass foreign film about a uh, horror lamb baby.
2: Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a horror movie, and then it wasn't. And I was like, you know what? I'm kind of glad. Because I liked that movie a lot. I'll check it out. I'll have to let you know what I
0: think about it. Because I have heard a lot of people actually liked it. You just have to go into it knowing it's not a horror movie. Yeah, exactly. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I think I might check out Lamb, do it. I uh, I haven't seen it, but I would say listen to his suggestion, but just know you're in for something that is more of a drama.
2: If you've seen The Green Knight, uh, it has a very similar energy to The Green Knight. Where it's just like slow paced. There's not much of a story even really. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's just like a character journey and like seeing these people live their lives. Okay, sweet. I'll check Lamb
0: immediately. Uh, My next one. Damn, we're building a little... Number
1: three. We're hitting number three. We're building a little
0: barn because my next movie is Pig. Holy Uh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) That just set itself up. Uh, Dude, this is a movie that is so easy to laugh at on the surface because it could have had plenty of opportunities to just be Nick Cage uh, as John Wick with a pig instead of a dog. And... This movie, once it starts, you immediately discover that you are not in for some action movie or some weird John Wick with Nick Cage, but this is actually a very deep and 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 sad movie about loving something deeply and how how people handle grief and loss. Um, it's Nick Cage's best work ever and a reminder that when he wants to be one of the a great actor, he can turn it on so quickly. even better than Mandy? Oh yeah, wow. I think this is easily Nick Cage's best work ever and he's 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 so. Uh, empathetic and despite the mysterious nature that his character has, like you can really still feel like, even though you don't know the details about what have happened to him and everything like that, you can still feel it, you know, just by how he plays that character. Um, And it's just got some of like the most quotable dialogue for me. Like it's, it's a really weird movie. um, But the dialogue has stuck with me in the score. I genuinely just turn on in my car and just listen to the, the score for this movie (laughs) for pig. But Nick Cage is a, He knocks it out of the park with this movie. Very sad movie. Very somber journey. But um, just really it's really beautiful. Like, Pig is really beautiful. It's so weird that the Nick Cage movie about a pig is so good. But uh, this movie is very high up on my list. I I really loved it.
1: Yeah, for my number three, uh, I have In the Heights. Um, I had to put this movie at number three because I was literally bumping the music all summer. Like, absolutely vibing. Um, This is such a good movie. And... I honestly just love Lin-Manuel Miranda. I mean, two of his movies are in my top three. Wesley, do you? I do love... I don't know. I do love him. (laughs) Anything that man touches turns to gold. True, actually. Uh, He's great. He is the only person on this planet who can make a good musical adaptation, in my opinion. Haven't seen... Are you talking, Dear Evan Hansen? No, Steven Spielberg.
0: Okay, West Side Story. West Side
1: Story. I haven't seen West Side Story yet. uh, Very good, very good. um, Yeah, In the Heights is. I love the story. Uh, Such great performances from all of these characters, Um, and all these actors. Like, the music is fantastic. the The setting of this like small um, small town or small section of New York uh, that's just like being taken over, gentrified essentially. Um, And the struggle for these people to keep their home and keep their history but embrace what's coming next is so heartfelt and so amazing. And I just absolutely love it. And, I mean, I think many people would agree with me when I say that – like I still play the In the Heights music soundtrack all the time now. Like, dude, it's constantly bumping. Blackout is like on in my car every time I get in my car. Blackout is <laughs> so good. I am literally singing uh, "Paciencia Fe" all the time. Yeah. Uh, or even like the simple ones like "Piragua." Like, oh, I'm just going for it. So I absolutely love the music. Absolutely love the movie. And Lin Manuel Miranda, man, he is an angel from heaven. The guy, I absolutely love him.
0: Um, yeah, man, this was like the movie of the summer I yeah think, I think for a lot of people I, I it just it did something it, it captured the hot energy of the vibe of this summer
1: and as somebody who just got back from New York not that long ago, like being in New York and just it, it has such that vibe where there's literally people just on the side of the street hanging out or uh, if like you walk down a small street like a small side street, you see people. Uh, up in their like windows hanging out laundry or even just like hanging out on their fire escape like it's got that vibe everywhere and so I absolutely loved it it's mm. so good That that is
2: awesome actually mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yet but oh, really? it's on like it's at the top of my list for movies I want to watch soon it's Highly really recommend. solid really good musical I'm pretty sure ever, just yeah. gonna it just got to add to Netflix something it might have it's on, so. it's on. It just got add to some streaming. Mm-hmm. Good. Good for it. It
0: needs. It needs that. I need to hear more people talking about this movie. Yeah. Everyone's all Hamilton this, Hamilton that.
1: Uh, shut up. Hamilton is overdone. We need. Yeah. We know Hamilton already. Yeah. We, we, know we, we need know. in the heights now.
2: <laughs> uh, my number three is a movie we already talked about. It's come on, come on. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really like this movie. I actually went in, probably with too high of expectations, and mm-hmm. still like met, got them met. I really think the simple message of just, like, an uncle and his nephew, like, building a bond with, like, the absence of, like, proper parental figures in his life for, like, a small period of time, like, that's something I, I had, I've had in my life, how like, a very strong bond with, like, a mm-hmm. pseudo-parental figure, and just seeing that be built, and watching the struggles of this kid who doesn't know how to express himself, and this uncle who's, like, over his head. And seeing the emotional depth portrayed by uh, Joaquin Phoenix. And, um, you know, it's a very emotional movie. But I actually definitely increased my enjoyment. Because I saw this movie with one of my friends. And I just kept calling him Joaquin Penis. And uh, no. that's, that was just, that just made me laugh the whole time.
0: Damn, you were getting me like, I was like listening. like, like I was like passionately like, yeah, man. No, that, no that's how I, hit me with the Joaquin Penis. <laughs> actually,
2: if I'm being honest, it was Joaquin Penis okay. every single time. <laughs> uh, but that's just like a little added thing that made me. Cause the movie's funny. The movie's it not. Is. Like, it's not like a sad movie. No,
0: it's, it's it's actually very like it's sweet. Sweet. It's it makes you cry in a sweet sense. Yes.
2: Yeah, I go. I have. I happy cried at this movie. Me too. The end. Mm-hmm. The ending. Uh, when he's when they're screaming in the woods together. Yeah, I was gonna mention this scene where, where he learns the kid finally like. I can do this. I can express myself and be safe. Mm. Everything
0: and, is fucked and that's okay. I love that scene. Yeah,
2: this letting it learning to let it
0: out. Mm-hmm. I also think that like the actual ending of this, like the final line of this movie, which I don't I will not ruin for anyone, um, is like one of my favorite endings of the year.
2: I I also think the the, the poem scene where he's reading him the poem about the, being the shooting star mm-hmm. and the living life on earth and it makes it doesn't make the sun cry. It makes Joaquin cry. Yeah. It's yeah, really man. It makes uh, Mr. Penis shed a tear, it's, and it, it's damn. really beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's such a it's such an emotional movie in the sense of like, it it's it, like you said, it's very sweet and it's very hopeful. It's not ever making you cry by being like, look at how miserable things are. But like even when things are bad, it's like there's still positive in this movie.
2: Yeah, yeah. and then uh, Joaquin Phoenix looks into the screen. <laughs> That's it. I'm not saying it. <laughs> Don't do it. We already know. We, we already know. know. <laughs>
0: um. So my number two is a movie that. I kind of went back and forth as putting this high up on my list, but I've seen it this year. It actually won't wide release, so you won't be able to see it in theaters or, or rent it until, I think, next month. Um, so it is like technically a 2022 movie, but I saw it in 2021. A lot of people saw it in 2021. Big win. Um, right. Film festival vibes, man. They're sick. Um, I saw The Worst Person in the World, which is a Norwegian movie that focuses on a girl named Julie, and she is a 30-year-old young woman. And it, it follows her life through 12 chapters. And it uses each chapter so effectively to bring you to such a specific moment of her life. And like a very masterful encapsulation of like the human experience. You know, in the sense of where I kind of felt like Waves was that for me a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is like the more now version of it. Because this character makes so many decisions and mistakes and, and questionable choices throughout the time that you follow her. But she's played so... Um, empathetically and un- you can understand and just follow along and, and tap into this journey with her and understand why she's making these decisions because it, it gets into kind of like what it means to pursue things in life based on passion and feeling rather than like rationality and logic and like the fleeting feeling of your youth and like questioning the actions you've made and where it's landed you in your life. And so it's like you, this girl is pretty much having like a 30 year old midlife crisis, you yeah. know, like everything mm-hmm. is kind of clumber- like crumbling around her. And it's like the realization of like, have I made the right choices have I put myself in the right spot and and it, it puts you into 12 different spots in her life where you can see these choices and decisions she makes and I haven't been so moved by a movie in a in a very long time. Like this is, it's funny as fuck, like genuinely hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's really funny um, and also like really sad. Like it has like the dramatic stuff but blends it with the comedy all throughout where it's never leaning too hard into being a sad movie or never leaning too hard into a funny movie but kind of walking the line and just uh, it's it's just very realistic, and I don't know. I I f- I found something so great about the lead performance. Like I feel like they easily could remake this movie as they're doing with another round. You know, take this movie and be like, let's cast Anne Hathaway mm. as the lead character here or something. And I love all these actresses, all these A-list actresses, but I don't think any of them have what Renee Renziiv has in this movie. I think she has stumbled upon something that could could build a really great career for her. Mm-hmm. I. I love this movie i can't wait to go see it again in theaters i can't wait to talk to people about it when they've get, gotten to see it it's remarkable the worst person in the world
2: i'm actually excited to see it on honestly yeah. i think that's a very underrated film genre just the, the character studies yeah man where it's just seeing like uh like waves ladybird i think is hardcore in that if you like
0: ladybird you will lo- yeah that's love when you were
2: talking lady. about it i was thinking about lady bird the whole mm-hmm. time it's like 30 year old lady bird. It, it's it's Lady Bird. i think juno uh uh, mid 90s to an extent it's just like movies that focus on a character's journey where it's like nothing crazy happens mm-hmm. it's just them growing up or making decisions and they might fuck up because they're regular people and mm-hmm. i think those i think that's an underrated and my favorite type of movie
0: yes absolutely uh man i can't wait to talk to you guys about this movie mm. I, I really loved it
1: i haven't seen it so um my number two is uh i know i felt i felt weird putting a superhero movie this high but i did do it uh, um my number two is Shang-Chi, oh, and a, a lot of reasons why, but, uh, like, I mean, the action is awesome. The soundtrack is phenomenal, um, and it's, I also just feel like it's the right, a step in the right direction for Marvel, because, I mean, every superhero film has the same formula, and this one is no different, uh, that it all just leads to a big bad guy fight at the end. Um, like, Hero realizes they aren't good enough, needs to get better, big bad guy fight at the end. But this one, it just, there's something, like, there's almost more heart to it, in my opinion, um, where the big bad guy isn't, like, actually a big bad guy. It's just his dad, and he is, like, reeling from the loss of his wife, uh, and the he's getting, like, overtaken by these emotions. And so I thought this movie was so good, it, not only with its... Uh, like hand to hand combat. Like I watched Black Widow, and I was like, "Yes, hand to hand combat." And then I wa- actually watched it, and I was like, "Oh, it wasn't that good for hand to hand combat." And then this one was like, oh, bah, 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 bah. "It was like so good." Yeah. <laughs> and so, I just love this movie. I highly recommend it uh, to everyone if you haven't seen it yet. And it's also just amazing representation for a industry of movies that have just had m- like white guys as the main yeah. characters. Yeah. White uh, guys and
2: Chadwick Boseman.
1: Literally, so it's it's really good to see some representation here and to just like, it it almost felt like it was a nice t- step away from the classic Marvel stuff that's been going on, and it was a nice fresh, um, like a refresher for me because I was like, wow, I have these superhero stuff it's really slogging me down because we got so many TV shows and uh, movies and all this stuff from Marvel this year, and so. Shang Chi felt like a breath of fresh air for me.
0: I agree. I think Shang Chi was it takes that formula and that Marvel formula everyone knows, but it's the best usage of it in a very long time, if yeah. not since like the original Iron Man. To exactly. be like, to be honest with you, like I absolutely love this movie, and I feel like it's so unique, despite yeah. the fact that it does fall into typical Marvel tendencies at times. It's so good when it's not, mm-hmm. and when it's standing out on its own, uh, it's it's like I, when I first saw this. I put it so high up in my Marvel list, like my MCU ranking, and it's kind of dropped down a little bit now. But like, I still
1: adored Shang Chi, and mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's fantastic. You liked it more than Spider Man. Yeah, damn, man. See, I realized I like Spider Man so much because there's just all that nostalgia. But if you took yeah. away the nostalgia from that movie, it there's nothing. No, fair enough. It fully relies on nostalgia, and that doesn't make I, it a bad movie. I agree. It's just like fundamentally shang chi beats no way home right as like a as
0: a standalone movie as a
1: standalone movie because like no way home fully relies on nostalgia for you to really love it yeah um so i was just like (sighs) fundamentally at its very core shang chi i feel
2: like you said there's more heart to this movie i think shang chi is the first uh new marvel character i've given a shit about since probably Spider Man. yeah ant-man don't care miss marvel don't care Don't care. Yeah. Don't care. Scarlet Witch. Don't care. That's the thing. I felt like
1: they were just pumping out so many (laughs) characters. Just um, actually, I'm gonna start that again. Here. Yeah. Do you wanna? (coughs) Shit. Thank you. It's all good. No worries. Um. Yeah. I just feel like with a lot of Marvel's characters, they were just pumping out these characters who, yes, they had flaws and problems, but I didn't connect with any of them as much as I did. Chung Chi. True. it, the emotional story throughout that entire movie is so well done um, and it's not just about him it's about so many other people in the movie uh, so it, it it's just done really well and I highly recommend it to anyone who has not seen it yet
0: yeah Simu Liu is such a charismatic actor yes he. I haven't watched a lot of Kim's Convenience but I liked him a lot on that from what I've seen and, and I think in, he's just like one of those actors where I'm like damn like, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see him lead, like, future Shang-Chi movies to pop up in the Avengers movies. Like, immediately. There's been some people in the new introduction to the MCU hesitant on, and mm-hmm. him, I was like, first frame, love this dude. Yeah. Give him multiple movies, make Shang-Chi lead the Avengers. I don't care. <laughs> let, let me see it. Um,
2: yeah. oh, wait, oh, it's your turn next. Okay. Number two. He's also just fucking based. True. Just Facts. is. Yeah. He's just fucking awesome. Man. The man the best, was in so many stock photos. It's, like, he's the best fight or he, it's the best fights in any of the movies Yeah 100% and, and like I will say Any Marvel movie It's the best You watch that movie And watch Black Panther And it's embarrassing Literally
1: sure. The the great thing about it is the Like how much CGI is not used In yeah. a lot of those fights And so Yeah a lot of uh, influence From like the, the classic Like uh,
0: Jackie Chan stuff mm-hmm. Yeah And it's exactly. really cool to see A lot of Like a lot of physical
1: Also Bus scene yeah, just there, there's,
2: there's the best bus, scene. bus scene. Best bus <laughs> scene, 100%. Come full back around. Best bus scene. Shang-Chi was great. Um, Number two, I'm actually going to toss this to Hayden because my number two is Inside.
0: Oh, yeah. My number one mm-hmm.
2: is Inside. Oh, here, let's restart that. All my- right. For my number two, uh, I'm actually going to toss this to Hayden because it's Inside. And I feel like uh, the little guy's got some things to say about this little movie. <laughs> the little guy. I do. <laughs> the little guy does have some things to say about this little movie.
0: Um, inside is one of the most important things to release to me in a while. Mm. Um, It completely encapsulated where I was at mentally when it released. I think I was feeling, uh, as Bo would say in this documentary, I was at an ATL, not Atlanta. And (laughs) and that's how I was feeling, man. It was was during the early half of this year where we were going back into lockdown for like the third time and I was just like mentally kind of broken from it. I was Mm -hmm. like, I feel like shit these days. Like I'm really like not feeling my best. And then I watched the new Bo Burnham stand-up, expecting, like, Bo Burnham to give me a couple funny little jokes here and there, and he did a complete observation of my psyche. Like, it yeah. was, like, he, I completely felt seen and and understood by, like, the comedic bits of this as well, but also, like, the serious, like, introspective, like, questionings of life that he, he did in this. And I, I've talked so openly about how much I, I love this, but... It's barely a movie, but it has to take number one because I was. It's the the number one thing that has moved me this year. Mm-hmm. I, I I really was affected by it.
2: Uh, for me, the reason it's not number one, which I think I might enjoy it just as much, if not more, than my number one, is because the time it came out. I was like told, like, man, if you're not doing well mentally, like, don't watch it. I was like, of course I'm fucking not, dude. What do you mean? Like, yeah. I just graduated. <laughs> I can't find a job because we're in fucking lockdown for the fifth time. Yeah. Uh so I didn't watch it for a bit, and then I watched it. I really liked it. Uh, but I find like it's, it's a movie or, like, a show, special. I can't just, like, watch whenever. Like, right now, I'd say I'm at my ATL. Like, shit's tough right now. Yeah. I don't think I could watch it right now. Yeah. I think it would be too rough for me. Yeah. So it's not something I can watch whenever. I have to be very specific about when I watch inside. I can't just be like, oh, I'm feeling a little, like I want something funny. Uh, I It's... Or if you're little down, I can use a pick me up because it's gonna like put me in a f- pit far worse.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it it really is one of those things where it
2: it uh,
1: for a lot of people it was like a realization of oh you're not the only one who is absolutely going through it right now. Yeah,
2: um, which is comforting to yeah it,
1: yeah it's a comforting to a degree but then. Bo Burnham's also like uh, everything's online. You can't see anyone. Your social life sucks. Uh, all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then it's just a spiral. But no, I I had a very similar feeling to it where people were like, "This is probably the most depressing shit I've seen in a while." And I was like, "No, thanks. Yeah, I don't need to watch that right now." And then I did watch it, and I was like, "Yeah, that was sad, but really I, good." I will say though, like it's it's
0: very depressing, and if you like, if the depressing aspects do uh, get you, or like you know. That you struggle with, it, it could be something. But there is like so many genuinely funny moments in this as well that kind of counteract that.
2: Yeah, it's a good mix, which is yeah. why
0: it was such a good encapsulation of my headspace. It's like I wasn't totally miserable. Like there was, I was still living with my friends. I was still like not working, so I was like kind of vibing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I also felt like terrible. Yeah, like twenty four seven. So it was like this weird like blend of like there's humor and there's fun moments still, but like I'm at an all time low. Like I mentally feel like shit. I physically feel like shit, and yeah, I think it goes back to what you guys were saying about, like, he used this as a way of getting through this pandemic and through the quarantine, and it ended up becoming, like, the number one thing that got other people through the pandemic and quarantine. It is yeah. it is
2: the anthem, I think, of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is the most important thing that came out this year. Absolutely. And More than Spider-Man.
0: I just got it on vinyl. This I got the sick. inside soundtrack on vinyl. i I just had to flex a little bit because it's like it's like it's like my favorite possession that I own. I got it the other day and immediately just started listening to it on, on vinyl and it's just really cool to have and like own that in some physical way. Um I could go on and on about Inside Man, but like I really just think anybody should check this out. And if you like Bo Burnham, this is like his best work ever. It is, yeah. yeah. It's his most cohesive, like rounded, fully realized work. And mm-hmm. it's it's just crazy that his best work came out of him.
1: Having a mental at, breakdown at, at his all time low, like <laughs> yeah.
0: a, like a stand-up comedian at his absolute worst, barely even being a comedian made, made his most important work and something that I think will speak to a lot of people for years from now. Like when mm-hmm. they think back on, on inside and how it made them feel and like that time period of their life, like it's just such a time capsule. And I think it's is really, whether that's going to prove to be for negative or for wor- or for better or for worse, it'd yeah. be a time capsule. We'll have to see. Um, but man, I just loved inside. I, I think do. it'll age great, personally. Yeah, yeah. me too.
1: Um, my number one is not only, no, none other than Tick, Tick, Boom. I talked Speak about on this it. for like an hour and a half on our Tick, Tick, Boom episode. If you really want to hear what I have to say about the entire movie, check it out there. Um, but very similarly to how you were describing inside, I found the Tick, Tick, Boom was the thing that I most related to ever in my entire life. I'm not turning 30, but as an artist, there is this this like thing that's looming over your shoulder constantly where it's like, oh, you haven't made something yet. Oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. You got to start making things like, what are you doing with your life? Where are you going? That is a constant ever going thing for me. And, uh, as somebody who is about to graduate this year, I feel that very much where I'm like, where am I going? What am I doing? Like, where does this go from here? And so seeing, um, tick tick boom it kind of gave me like this new spark of hope where i was like i could struggle for 10 years just like jonathan larson and make nothing of it but learn something from it or maybe i'll make it lucky i'm have my break who knows but um regardless of that it's just such a uh it's such an actor's movie like 100 yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. such an actor writer it's totally a theater kid movie um, and I just loved it. The music is amazing. Andrew Garfield's phenomenal, and none other than Lynn Manuel Miranda directed the thing. So. Oh shit! Oh, I see
2: it. See, I see it. he's out here making
1: gold every single time. Full and circle. So- Full circle. And so, uh, yeah, if you want to hear me geek out about it for like an hour and a half, check out that episode. But that, that episode's
0: great because I really just was like totally content to take a backseat to that episode. Fuck yeah. yeah uh, I, I loved seeing your passion for that episode. It was great. I
1: talked for about 80% of that episode. Yeah. It's, fucking,
0: it's fucking awesome.
1: Um, But yeah, highly recommend Tick Tick Boom. It is so good. And I can't stop singing 3090. I will never stop singing Thanks. 3090. So, and there will be a there will be an actor party where I just start doing boho days. I start clapping. Everyone comes in and <laughs> claps
2: along. Yeah, that's the yeah, vibe.
1: The most relatable movie for me, I think, probably for my entire life at this point. Yeah. So,
2: the way you described it at first it kind of made me think of Soul. It it has a very similar
1: feeling to the, like the main character feeling like they're not reaching their full potential. Um, and it, this one it is literally the full. Like that's the whole plot. He's okay. This main yeah. character feeling like he hasn't reached his uh, magnum opus yet. Like he's almost there, and he just needs to get there before he turns thirty.
2: Oh. Um, which is kind of the inside's kind of like that too. Yeah. Exactly. Where he's just like I turned thirty, which is the most crushing part of that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's just like this this ticking time bomb. Tick tick boom. Ticking down until he turns thirty. Till it goes off. Till it goes off. So highly recommend.
2: All right. So here's we've made it. My number one It's the French Dispatch yes. by By uh, A certain man Wes Anderson And it's Fucking great I'm not a Wes Anderson guy I feel like people are gonna get surprised by that I don't I kind of am Especially based on how much you love this movie Yeah I have seen Fantastic Mr. Fox 10 out of 10 I've seen Isle of Dogs 8 out of 10 I've seen Grand Budapest Hotel It's good I don't really have a number for that I like, mm-hmm. i don't love it like everyone else But I, I like it mm-hmm. Yeah those are the only ones I've seen. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a bottle rocket. I've I've never seen a uh, roll tennis bombs. Just haven't. So mm-hmm. I'm not like a Wes Anderson stan or anything. Right. Just a this. Wes Anderson stan. Wes Anderson Holy fuck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah. So for me, there's four different acts of this. Four with air quotes. There's one, there's the intro, which it's Owen Wilson riding around on a bike, just giving like a very nice long, so long It's such a great intro. And and I should add, the French dispatch is the adaptation of the last magazine printing of the French Dispatch magazine that existed in real life. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Yeah. So Didn't it's know that. three different articles and the intro, uh, like the intro page opener, which is a travel guide. So it starts off with Russ or t- with Owen Wilson running around on his bike, reading like a, like a travel guide, like talking about the city it's set in. I am blanking on what it's called. Ensuite, Ensuite, mm-hmm. um, France, and. So he's giving like a travel guide, that's good. And then the first app comes in, it's a concrete masterpiece. It's a revolutionary artist who's in jail, he's a psychopath. But he's discovered by this art dealer who goes there, and it's really like, witty. It's quirky. It's very Wes Anderson, from what my understanding of Wes Anderson movies are.
1: Yes, hundred percent. It very seems so it feels so.
2: like the most Wes Anderson one. Mm-hmm, well, I would agree.
0: That that kind of applies to the whole movie for me. It's like this is the most Wes Anderson Wes Anderson movie to whatever Wes Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so
2: I, I'm shocked you didn't
0: like it. Like you don't like his other work as much as like this one. I just haven't seen him. Okay, fair <laughs> enough.
2: Right. Um, and, and I just never cared. And now I saw this movie. I do care. Yeah um so I guess I would say I'm a Wes Anderson guy who now has are at yeah. this point so and then so that one's f- the first one it's very funny there's emotional depth to his care to the character of uh like the artist I'm blanking on his name he develops a relationship with the guard and she's the only thing he really cares about yeah but she's just not into him and I find it kind of ends I find that one end. I think it's the weakest of the three but it's still like if I was going to rank that one alone It's like a seven, eight out of ten. I really like that one. It's great. Yeah. The travel guide, I think, is like a ten. It's just like a short, perfect little thing. Yeah. Ellen Wilson. Wilson. If it was anyone else but Ellen Wilson, nine. Ellen Wilson makes it a ten. Makes Uh it the Wilson factor. Uh, I'm gonna skip the second act because it's the one I want to talk about the most. Mm -hmm. The third one is about this uh, one of the journalists for the magazine going, and he is working with the sergeants or like the lieutenant uh, chef of the Ensuite Police Force. Mm -hmm. And he's doing, like, a food posting thing. But the son of the police chief gets uh, kidnapped. And then he has to tag along for them to rescue him. And it's this really good, like, retelling of the story. Because he's actually telling it to, like, this talk show. And it's Mm -hmm. a nice, like, it's a cool delivery. I should also add, for the first act, it's this lady who's trying to sell the art, giving the background of it. Which is very cool delivery. All of them have cool delivery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To the story. So, for this third one, he gets uh, kidnapped and they have to go rescue the chief's son and it's it's all like this quirky fucking like these villains are super quirky the main characters are very quirky and then in the middle of it it gives a gut punch of like why do you want to talk about food and he's like food's the only thing that's ever been consistent it's the only friend i've ever had being in a new city being a gay black man it's hard to find people and the only thing that's always there is a waiter waiting to wait for me and a food on the table Mm -hmm. and you're like holy fucking shit no, yeah. 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 Like, I I
1: do love that story. solely. like one of the big factors of it is it's supposed to be this food column talking about this food, yeah. but it's a whole other story of just like I don't I think there's crazy I think, I think the
2: joke at the end is there's one line written about it and then it shows the food on screen like a slideshow while other things are happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like you weren't even looking at it that the food. Mm-hmm. Um and then the second one, like the middle act is the one that fucking gets me, man. Bro. Mm-hmm. Um Power couple Francis McDormand and Timothy Chalamet. What facts? Yes. Damn. Who would have yes. thought? So this one is about Lucinda Kremitz, who is again another writer for the French Dispatch, and mm-hmm. he, she meets up with a young man named Zafrelli, who is a revolutionary, quote unquote, for the young people in like France, mm-hmm. and they're starting this revolution, and they honestly forget what it's about. They're just young they're very hormonal and and they're angry. They're angry about the system. Mm-hmm. And I think the part that really gets me uh for for like this section is when we follow Zafrelli's friend Mitch Mitch into his military camp and his friend has like this monologue and he says, "I can't do it" because they're all talking about what they want to do after they have their like mandatory military service. Mm-hmm. And he says, "I can't do it." Like I refuse to do it. They're like, "Aren't you supposed to be a pharmacist?" Like, "I refuse to live for 40 more years." Uh, nine to five every day, living the life my parents live. I refuse to live in my parents' world, and then he jumps out of the window. Yeah, and it's like the darkest shit in the world. Yeah, and it's something I relate to, like, with just like not liking the current system of the world, I guess. And mm-hmm. I think I think it's very powerful. And the ending where, uh, like Zeffrelli's ending, where he's like, like she's reading the poem after he leaves. Or, like, yeah, the the poem's read. It's, like, the edit to his manifesto. Mm -hmm. It's just a very powerful scene and, like, a great ending to that act. I agree, man. I think that this whole movie is
0: um, Wes Anderson kind of mixing his quirky, you know, like, weird vibes that he has. But also he's, he's he's inserting a lot of, like, more serious stuff. There's crazy emotional depth to this. Yeah, there's, like, a decent amount of emotional depth here. And I feel like the whole movie is kind of just, like... West Anderson's tribute to journalism. Yes, and to write. Yeah, it, and that's to a writing. great way
2: to put it. As someone who did journalism school, yeah, there's kind of a reason I really like this movie. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, I, I feel like it's it's pretty cool and just the way that each story is told and the way he separates the acts, um, being like through like a newspaper company and everything. I found that to be really cool.
1: Yeah, no, it is a really good movie. I I really did enjoy it as well. I love those kinds of movies where, especially with that West Anderson style of just like. It's this is a real thing that happened and we're adapting it to the screen and and like just the idea of literally reading columns of newspapers and making it into a movie so cool yeah oh, it's it's ahead. a ten for me yeah
0: oh I, I I did love this one quite a bit I just I'll have to give this one a rewatch to see where it sits with me because it's such separated stories doing such different things that I feel like I kind of am struggling to judge it as as a whole movie but mm-hmm. it does all come together like I feel like this is such a fully realized uh, piece of work and like. One of his best worlds. Like, I feel like it's so, in- this world is yeah. so interesting. And like, yeah. dude, there's at least 30 symmetrical shots in this movie. Like At it- least. At
2: least, baby. Let's go.
0: We I, we went to go see it with you. You had already seen it. Yeah. And uh, I was like, how many symmetrical shots you get? You're like, at least 10. And I was there like. There is at least 10. Cool. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Wes Anderson's already working on his next movie
2: fuck yeah it's already
0: filming it's called asteroid city it's filming in spain with bill murray
2: margot again holy shit wow Yeah, give me some some symmetrical shots margot yes
0: tilda swinton tom hanks holy shit wow Wow. brian cranston jeff goldblum oh my god wild Um, what the jeffy yeah man i got the jeffy
1: absolutely insane but yeah i i guess that's our do you want to do any honorable mentions really quick
2: just spout them off
1: i have none
2: uh, okay. I, I don't really have I, I mentioned my two so already
0: Okay I'm going to just Spout off a couple That I also really liked Yeah
1: quick the, Rapid fire Rapid fire
0: I'm going to go Nightmare Alley Love Nightmare Alley I'm going to go Licorice Pizza Loved Licorice Pizza Mitchell's vs. the Machines Beautiful animated movie Coda Suicide Squad Judas by the Black
1: Messiah And Drive My Car Are another mm-hmm. bunch of movies I really loved this year Very good Really Yeah There's a lot of great movies Out this year Please do check out Some of the ones That we mentioned If you haven't yet Uh, But yeah, I guess that's it for our 2021 Movies of the Year. Top 10 Movies of the Year. Thanks for having me, boys. Thank you for coming on. It has been a rough year, but... A little bit. Here we are at the end I wasn't
2: joking when I said it's the worst year. Yeah, literally.
1: Um, But here we are at the end with some great movies to talk about. So, um, yeah, before we leave... it's the dive-in movie cast. It's a, bitch. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, and then and
2: then he looks into the fucking camera and he goes the French, <laughs> the French dispatch bitch, and it's symmetrical. Boom, it's fucking right symmetrical. on. Yeah, yes.
0: <laughs> thank you for joining us, though, man. It's it's been a great year for movies with a lot of good shit and. Uh, it's just nice. To, I love doing this episode and just coming and decompressing and talking about everything we've seen and loved this year. So yeah. so thank you for joining us and coming back on, man. And thank you
1: thank you all for listening. Uh, if you want to check out our other episodes, like all the ones we talked about in this episode, you mm. can find us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also check us out on Instagram at the Dive in Movie Cast and our individual Instagrams where I'm at Wesley Giffen. And I am at Hayden Kutris, and it's the
0: same name on our letterbox. Maybe you go take a look at my 2021 review and see all 121
2: movies <laughs> I read. <laughs> I'm at Nick Long and you Are you on Letterboxd? No, that's oh, just on my Instagram. Instagram. Oh, it's like, damn! I
0: gotta follow you. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah,
1: thank you guys so much. Uh, happy New Year, and we'll see you all next time. See you on the next one. Peace.